You're listening to the Carry On Friends podcast, episode 36, part two. Welcome to the Carry On Friends podcast, where you'll be inspired and empowered to do amazing things in your personal lives, career, business, and community with your host, Carrie Ann Reed Brown. This episode is brought to you by the Carry On Friends Ambition t-shirt collection. And it's in celebration of not only a Caribbean Heritage Month, but just your ambitions. Celebrate how ambitious you are. Your ambitions up like seven. You have beer ambition. You have ambitious friends to do ambitious things. Support the t-shirt collection. It can be found at carryonfriends.com forward slash ambition. And there's a coupon code. It's ambition10 or ambitious10, either one, and you'll get 10% off your order. And thank you in advance for supporting that. Hello, friends. Welcome to part two of episode 36 with uh, Ramola Lucas on the topic starting a business and protecting your brand. So part one was more on business formation and you could listen to that episode to find out more. We covered a lot of different entities and things you should consider with doing the entities. And in this episode, we're going to focus on brand protection, intellectual property, trademark, copyrights, and all that good stuff. I am so excited for you to listen to this episode because Ramola really gave some really important tips and even reminders, you know, because as you are going along your way, you start your business, you know, you might not be keeping up with things as she said in part one. So if you haven't listened to part one, you should definitely check out episode 36, um, part one. Uh, Just to give you a little background, Ramola, she is an attorney and she represents Guyana and she'll tell you more about the special connection Guyana has to the Caribbean. She's also the co-founder of the Caribbean Film Academy and um, they're really doing great things. So I'm not going to keep rambling any longer. I'll let you listen to this episode on protecting your brand. Oh, I should also let you know that the conversation picks up right after I said in the last episode where we were switching gears and um, that's where we pick up. So switching gears a little bit, right? Let's just say we've we've selected the right um, legal entity that works for us, and um, we're we're doing everything by the books. And starting next month, every month there's going to be a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, even if you meet with yourself, yes, and you record and you record what you decided, that's fine. That's oh, as long okay. as you have that record. Okay, no, no man, then we're good. We meet. I meet with myself every Tuesday. Well, I mean, no, seriously, I meet, I plan, and we do everything, and I take notes. So, okay, all right, right, so my situation is not so bad. Just Google for uh, minutes, meeting minutes, Mm -hmm. sample, and get someone's example of meeting minutes and and craft yours in the same way. Keep it all together in one place. So if you're ever audited, you have that information to provide. All right. Um, my, uh, thank God for my Evernote because I keep a lot of notes and I hate my <laughs> There notes, you go. So. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You just saved me a while ago, Tina. I was fritting in the foot. I'm good. <laughs> All right. Good. All right. So let me go back. So in terms of protecting your brand, right? So let's talk about what is, you know, intellectual property. Intellectual property is really the term that is used to describe the work that someone has created, mm-hmm. whether it's artistic, whether it's whether it's technical, um, it's just the general name that in, incorporates work that has been created. All right. Where does logos and um, business name and trademarking, where does this come into intellectual property, if it plays a part? Right. Yeah, it does. 
So in, in, in terms of intellectual property, there, there are three categories that, that work falls under. Um, patents, trademarks, and copyrights. Mm-hmm. So a patent is basically used to protect inventions. Mm-hmm. And it gives you a property right in your, in your invention, um, which is why it's called intellectual property. So they're saying that you own it as like real estate. Right. But it's not, it's not a house, your design or your idea or your creation. A patent gives you a property interest in your invention. On the other hand, a trademark, it's, it's a word or a name or a symbol or some other device that is used in trade of goods and services. What the trademark does is, is that it protects that name for you, for your exclusive use. And a trademark and a service mark are the same, except that a trademark is for goods and a service mark is for services. And then you have copyright, which is a form of protection for authors of what we call original works of authorship. So this is where books, drama, music, um, visual arts, and other types of similar intellectual works um, are protected. So I like that definition, but I have a question. I'm always going to put myself in the hot seat. All right. So for trademark, it says use of a particular name or something that you do business. So, you know, carry on friends. It's not, you know, I've always been under the impression that it has to be unique, you know, in order for Uh you to trademark or use it as a trademark or a service mark. And so Mm -hmm. carry on friends in and of itself is not unique. It's, it's a, a phrase for lack of a better word. Can, right is is that something that can be incorporated? I know, all right, I'm not really, you know, Minos is a little bit more on the advice side, but it's it's very unclear as to you know how what name can be trademarked. I, I don't know if I'm right. even making that yes, clear. Yes, yes, okay, yes. So, so I mean, there's there's a general perception that if you have formed a business and you've come up with a name and you just like. This you just sat in your chair and you had a a moment, an aha moment, and you're like, yes, this is what I'm going to name my business. Carry on, friends. Mm-hmm. And then you do a Google search and you don't see anybody else with that name, and you're able to register the name in your state, and so now you're feeling pretty good about it, right? Right. This is pretty original. No one else is using it. And then you go to the trademark website, USPTO trademark website, and you do a search, and you still don't see anyone using your name. And you're like, okay, I think I want to trademark this. Mm -hmm. So the question is, why trademark it? And then once you get past that question, I mean, the obvious answer to that is, well, you know, the the fact that you're using the name and you're using it in commerce, as as we would say, Mm -hmm. means you have a trademark in the name. You already do. And the typical symbol that people would use is TM. That's basically putting people on notice that this person intends to trademark this name. So intends... Even if it hasn't happened yet, you can still use the TM? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes. I see a lot of TMs out there now, and I'm like, all right, go on. <laughs> yeah, but that's, but that's why you put it, to, to put people on notice that you intend to trademark it. So they should not try to go use it. But the reality is you already have a trademark in the name. Um, what registering it does is allows you to prevent other people from using it. I see. So whether or not you actually go ahead and trademark your name is, is a question that y- you know you you have to really think about mm-hmm. because this is not a cheap process i tell you uh copywriting is much more cost effective but it doesn't work for for marks um it doesn't protect marks so you can't so you can't use copyright so 
a trademark is something you should like again it depends on your business plan where you see the business going in a few years and whether or not you're going to be that involved in commerce that you don't want your customers mistaking your name for someone else's i see or or seeing someone else with a similar name or or the same name that you're using maybe they're selling a different good or service but you don't want that confusion to exist in the marketplace. So then you go, you register your trademark in your mark so that you can then stop other people from doing it. There's an application process that you have to go through. And to be honest with you, the, the, the trademarks or the, or the marks that get, that are the most likely to be registrable are ones that are unique. There's, there's now a long history of trademarking marks. And so there's, there's a lot in the library of marks that have been registered. So at this point in time, like completely made up names are the easiest ones to go through the process. It's not guaranteed anyway. Right. Either way, it's not guaranteed. But if you completely make up a name like trade service or any and names that are not commonly used. So like, you know, back in the Caribbean, we call toothpaste Colgate. <laughs> They're gen- everything is genericized now. Exactly. So when something like that happens, you can't, like, you can't, Colgate can't register Colgate as a trademark anymore because it's too, it's too commonly used a word. Right. And it's a made up word, (laughs) but it's lost its ability to be trade, to be trademarked. And so that's kind of what you have to think about when, when you're thinking about trademarking your name. The more unique name is going to be more likely, even though not guaranteed. Hmm. Right. And there is a significant cost to this. So you can go to the, to the USPTO website, like you can search your state database, whatever is available to you, you can search the federal government's database, but you still may not pick up anyone else that's using your name. So then, you know, it's best if you pay a, a search company to do a, a professional, a professional company to do a search for you. And then you have to pay the registration fees. Mm-hmm. And then if the, if it's, then if the application is not approved, you, you kind of have to go back to the drawing board and restart the process. You're paying for the cost of getting it, and, and hopefully you're using an attorney to do this. And so you're paying attorney fees at the same time. Yes. Uh, but attorneys are good at being able to tell you what the likelihood is of your mark being eligible to be registered. So they do that type of analysis for you. So when you first reach out to an attorney to get some counsel on trademarking or registering your trademark, one of the things that they do is an analysis of your mark. And they can tell you what the likelihood is, what it's not, and what are some things you might you might be able to do that would make your mark more appealing. So you you have all the information before you make the decision as to whether or not you're actually going to do it. Do it. All right. All right. So all right. So let's say you know. All right. I'm not going to trademark carry on friends because clearly it's just really common. And all right. What other what other ways can I protect my brand? You know, it's out there. I know as content creators and I know that I've been in blogger groups where people, you know, um, I, I know other colleagues, their content is constantly being stolen by another site who's just kind of reposting it. And I know that there are some Internet laws that could say, well, you're not supposed to or you could get some right but Really, what other options we have in terms of protecting our brands and and not only protecting our brands to make sure we don't break no laws and, you know, infringe right. on anyone's anything. Right. It's that that's that's a tough question because there really aren't any laws to protect you in that regard unless you actually get a name that is trademarkable and you register to trademark. Right. 
Um, in terms of your content, that should be copyrighted. Right. But again, one, as soon as you write something, you have a copyright in it. Registering your copyright just allows you, again, to be compensated if someone steals your work and you are harmed by it. Then it just allows you to get compensated for it. But if you copyright the content that you put on your blog and someone uses it, you know, they just copy and paste it onto their own. I mean, I would say the first thing to do is to send them a letter Mm -hmm. telling them that they basically stole from you and to take it down immediately. This is, it's called a cease and desist letter. Mm-hmm. After that, you should probably engage an attorney yeah. <laughs> to help you with the, rest, with the rest of the process. But that's basically how it starts. And usually people respond to that. Like If you send them a letter like that, they'll usually respond and take your content down. If they don't, then you need to actually engage an attorney to, to help you through the process. But what it comes down to is that you have to police your content. So if you put something up there, and you care about whether or not other people are using it, stealing it, mm-hmm. you know, not giving you the credit, then you have to police your content. That's that's a lot of work. Cause yes, to, it is. To stroll, to troll the website to see if somebody else copy and paste your stuff, that's a lot of work. But, you know, some, you just got to do what you, you have to do. But, you know, and, and I'm sure, so outside of me, a content creator, what, what do you see, what are common mistakes you see people make when it comes to their brands and the protection of their brand or lack of protection thereof? Well, I mean, what I see really can be grouped in, can be put into two groups. It's one, people who don't fully understand what the, what their rights are mm-hmm. and what they need to do, and then others who think that they can do it themselves, and then they go out and mess it up somehow. So specifically, I get this question a lot. I, I want to... I want to trademark my name before I launch my website. And I'm launching my website next week. So then, you know, I, I would have to go through the entire process. Trademarking is, doesn't work that way. You can't submit an application this week and then think that you have trademark protection next week. It's a long process. It's expensive. Mm-hmm. And so this is not something that you can actually do. So, so that's, that's one category of people who don't fully understand mm-hmm the mechanisms and, and the process. And they'll go to the, to the websites and they'll read all this information and they'll say, well, I have to do this and I have to do that. But there are things that people don't consider in terms of timing mm-hmm. and things, the explanations don't, don't give you an accurate picture of what the process is. Right. It's the um, DIY culture that we live in. Information is free, but it's like putting that information together and having that make sense. Right. Um, and it is helpful when clients have, have read these things. So they have an idea of what is what is going to happen. So they've kind of taken a, a good step. It's usually way less information than they actually need to, to do this themselves. I had a question. So um, I thought that in, before you could do the trademark, you had to use it, the name, for, yes. for a period of time. So, yes. And the reason why I asked that, because if someone hasn't launched a website and they want to trademark the name before they launch the website are they exactly. using the name before because i thought you had to use it before you could even trademark it and that then that was the other thing i had to say that that in addition to the fact that the process takes longer you haven't actually used your mark in commerce and you have to establish that you have you have done that and you've been doing it for a while 
So it's not even something you can't start a business today and register your trademark today. Right. It's like you do have to establish that you have used this name in commerce and you've done so before anyone else has. That is awesome. I just want to thank you. I learned like a couple things and I make sure I'm going to make sure I stay on top of, you know, having my monthly meetings with the board of directors and have my minutes. It, this is like really good because we're out here creating businesses and we're doing things and a lot of times we are not fully protected. Getting money is good too, but making sure that legally we're protected and our family is protected, our assets are protected, right. and is that, also important because then you do all of that work for only somebody to, to lose it, you know, right. by, you know, big yep, or yep. small oversight, so. Right, and they know that um, for a lot of small business owners, being able to afford a lawyer it's something that most people think that they can't do. They can barely, they can't afford to keep fifteen hundred dollars in the bank account mm -hmm. to avoid bank fees. And so, like, actually hiring a lawyer to help them through any kind of business formation process is usually not an option in their minds. Several attorneys, myself included, generally have some kind of payment structure for mm -hmm. for specifically for people who who are starting up small businesses to help them through the process. So it's it's not necessarily that it'll be it'll cost less money. It's just that how those fees are paid is something Something that if you find a good attorney and you know they're willing to work with you you can you can negotiate that as well so I do think it's better to try to negotiate payment of legal fees rather than not use an attorney at all and just include that as a, as a business expense because it is a business it, um, it, it is yes. it's a business expense and and that is really important as as we're creating businesses and building brands and if you have visions of growth you're going yeah. to need to make sure that you know you can you have somebody on your team to help you navigate that growth period because we all want to be successful. But if you don't have the right people on your team and accountants, and I'm sorry to say, you know, nothing against the um, the big um, accounting or the tax refund people, but you know, you really have to get a good accountant and a lawyer if you are yes. an entrepreneur and you're opening a business because rapid refund no work when you own business. You have to make sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that that is true. And what you're describing is absolutely how you should how you should think of these people. They're a part of your team. Yeah. And they're there to give you advice. You know, you ultimately make all the decisions, but they're there to to give you advice and tell you what you need to do to stay in compliance with the laws that you're operating under. And they should be regarded as your team members and a lot of them would love to, to function that way I, I know as if it's one less thing to think of you know and you know like, I, i'm glad you said it it's hard to think of you know spending money for an attorney but you know sometimes people have these great opportunities that pop up and you have a contract you have to read and you might get so excited right. i'm gonna sign it and then somewhere down the road you know, right. the contract juke you, as we said, you know, it's great. So I really, really want the audience to understand that, you know, legal services, while they will cost, there's probably um, a scale, but should definitely be part of the operating expenses. All right. So um, as we wrap up, we want to thank Ramola for coming on and kind of giving us the basics in terms of starting a business and protecting the brand. And as the topic says, it's the basics. It's really just the, the surface to cover and each person's experience and situation is unique. And depending on where you live is unique. You know, even here in New York City, it's, you know, there's be, you know, some slight differences. So you really should consult an accountant, a, a lawyer, and 
an accountant. And um, if you're here in New York City, you should definitely support our, you know, fellow Caribbean, you know, sister and, you know, reach out to Ramola. Have her um, contact information in the show notes. But Ramola, I want to thank you so much for reminding me to make sure I have my monthly meeting and the minutes. (laughs) So I really want to thank you. And, um, you know, it was a, I, I, I cannot wait to share this episode because there's just so much information out there on the web, like we are talking about, and it's just processing right. all of this information. And, you know, it's good to know, but, you know, we need um, someone like you to kind of put it all together for us to understand because, you know, we're juggling yeah. a lot of th- stuff already. So I really, really thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I had a good time. Awesome. Awesome. So, all right, folks, until next next time what good Okay, friends, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Carry On Friends podcast. For a recap of this episode and other great articles, please visit the blog at www.carryonfriends.com. That's C-A-R-R-Y-O-N-F-R-I-E-N-D-S.com. You've been listening to Carry On Friends, a show about the Caribbean American experience. Produced by Breadfruit Media. We post a new episode every two weeks on Tuesday. And if you're looking to learn more, buy our merch, or sign up for a newsletter, check out carryonfriends.com. Or find us on all social media platforms at Carry On Friends. <laughs>